Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Today on the What Fuels You podcast, I'm here with my friend Jonathan Spazzato. He's a serial entrepreneur, author, investor, and CEO. Originally pre-law, Jonathan changed paths in his early 20s and soon after became the first person in history to sell two companies to Google. A few years ago, Jonathan made headlines by announcing he would only invest in female-founded companies and took it a step further when he wrote the incredibly inspiring book, Better Together. He is currently the chairman of PicMonkey and GeekWire. He's a husband, a father, a fashion icon, <laughs> and a friend to so many of us. We are lucky to have you here today. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you so much, Shauna. And I have to say that, uh, first of all, very, very warm intro. I appreciate it. But you have the most lovely podcast voice. I do? Yeah. Oh, You know what? My dad has this like crazy radio voice. Yeah. He could probably be doing that. Yeah. And I think he just has to figure out how, yeah. but thank you. Yeah, it's a different deal when you can hear your friend's voice through headphones. Yeah, so, well, thank yeah. you. It's Bravo. soothing. Don't fall asleep. We're going to start with rapid fire to keep you awake. Okay. You ready? Favorite podcast? The What Fuels You podcast. <laughs> That's sweet. You haven't heard it yet, dude. You better make it good. <laughs> That's right. Favorite European city? Barcelona. Favorite designer? Hmm, close one between Margiela and... I love Margiela. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. Um, you know what? Um, you look pretty cute in your Montclair today, I have to say. Thank you, but but uh, Ambush. Oh, I don't know Ambush. Yeah, right. check it out. Very cool. Also Sakai. I'm into Sakai oh, lately. Favorite movie director? Toss-up between Ennio Morricone and Ridley Scott. Interesting. Two different genres. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Of course. You're like the cool guy. Okay. So what are you currently reading? Oh, I, I'm currently unfinished in an unfinished state across uh, several books. Uh, I'm revisiting. Um, I'm revisiting Evelyn Woe's um, *Brideshead Revisited* because I think it's a beautiful book. Similar but more American is um, *The Great Gatsby*. Oh, *The Great Gatsby*. Yeah, that's bringing right. it back. Old yeah, school. that's right. So it's kind of fun to read those in parallel. Yeah, well, your cool office I feel like has some good books, and I feel like yes. you can learn a lot about somebody. And I, I'm not surprised that yours yeah. is a wide range. What fuels you? Helping others. I love that. That's, that's the top one I have found. Took me a while to figure that out. But, but if yeah. you can uh, genuinely help people and, and people, whether it's people you know or people you don't know at all, total strangers, I think that that's what fuels me. Yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised by that answer. That's awesome. Okay. So um, as we were walking in, I mentioned to you that you are kind of an open book. You're a person who's yeah. very comfortable being vulnerable, comfortable being open and kind of owning who you are. Were you always like that? Or is that Jonathan at age 51? Um, Just really comfortable. You know what? Stage. I've never been asked that question. Um, I, 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 I think the seeds of that person were probably there when I was young. I always felt like I didn't fit in, and and quite frankly, the reason you know I'll reference Evelyn Woe and and also um, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald because uh, we talked about those books. I've always felt like the outsider, 
So any 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 sort of fiction or story where the central protagonist is an outsider, uh, I'm more of a Nick uh, Carraway than a Jay Gatsby. Interesting. And, and do so, you feel still feel that way? Uh, absolutely, I do. Really? Oh, absolutely. You are yeah. the center. No, not at all. There are places I go where I'm still scratching my head, like, how gosh, did I, get I didn't. In? Yeah, how I didn't know this happened. Every That's year so, or on a regular basis with these people. Uh, That's uh, interesting. You know, and, and, uh, I always think of you as like, you know, when you read those magazines, like, who would you want at the dinner table? Like, you're that person. Oh, that's yeah. that's very – Well, that means a lot coming from you, <laughs> Shauna, because true. I think of you that's that sweet. way well, as the person have, you want to have. And Heather, yeah, too, by it. the way. That's right. Heather, Heather is your, like, takes it up another whole level. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about your childhood, and I, th- I know that you've been open about your childhood um, you were born in London to a single Chinese mother, and your dad was not in the picture. No, he okay. was not. So you never met um, him till about eighteen months ago. I He's, am just curious, like, how did your parents meet, and yeah. why did they not stay together? Right. Well, so as it turns out, back in 1967, if one person's Korean and the other person's Chinese, those two cultures... Yeah, that's there a was, no-no. That's a big no-no. Well, there's and lots so, of cultures that fit that, that right? Exactly. So so maybe this is kind of a very relatable American story. But um, but they, they were not allowed to get married, and it was like this very shameful thing that they were dating. But was it so, a love story that was like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think nice. so. I think so. And I think it was... There's a there's a, a story there of unrequited love and, and heart break and heartache and and so um uh so 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 I lived with my mom uh, as a you know she was a single mom and I remember sometimes opening the door and there'd be like a, a strange man you know with a suit on and a bouquet of flowers there and, to court her yeah and then I would slam the door on him yeah <laughs> and okay. say something that, I'm the man of the house that a three-year-old uh, shouldn't say and and yeah. so uh, uh and it wasn't until um you know, almost two years ago that, that I met him. I was like 49 or 50 and are you when I met him for the him? first time. I am actually. He's a, As it turns out, your number one consideration, there are two considerations when you don't know your one of your birth parents and you meet him for the first time as an adult. The number one consideration is, am I going to like this person or is this person going to enter my life and be a complete drag or be a bad person? Mm-hmm. Or, or Were you concerned about drama? him liking you? To be honest, I wasn't, but not, and, and I and maybe that sounds. Hopefully, that doesn't sound arrogant or something. But I, I felt like I think that risk was off the table because he had indicated in a letter to me that he'd been following me, of all things, on Instagram the last oh, few years. So he's got to see Palm Springs. He's got to see you know <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. And then and then and then I think that there was like this is an interesting tech geek thing, but there was like an interesting bug in the way that Google was indexing um, public posts. Of Instagram, so that if you if you Googled someone for a few years, it, it, one of the top search results, and it didn't matter if you were getting written up in the press or something, but one of the top search results would be, uh, you know, whatever Instagram posts you were oh. making. And so he found me that way, and um, and then so so I think that was off the table whether he might because he indicated that he would love to meet up with me and all of that good stuff. So, and then I think the second consideration, at least for me, and this is clearly a testament to the fact that I'm probably a little self-absorbed here on this issue, (laughs) is if you've defined your whole life a certain way, like if you believe, hey, I'm kind of the way I am, good or bad, and I'm certainly, and by the way, I've been more lucky than good in life, right? But if, if you've, in fact, defined yourself against sort of this more of a Nick Carraway versus a Jay Gatsby. You're the outsider your whole life, and you're looking in and kind of observing. If your whole life has been like that, then 
your birth father showing up back into your life and 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 having that it's almost like the universe takes a little bit of something away from you. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, that can't be your story anymore. Yeah. You're like I, I belong somewhere now. Yeah. Oh, and this guy is a totally respectable person and a pillar of community and interesting. Is a doctor and has has had this family. Yeah. You're like I guess I like can't hold on to that story anymore. No, exactly. And which is totally fine. But but it, but then you you start to be. De- it was actually sort of I had gotten used to. Obviously, mm-hmm. you have to whether it's a defense mechanism or a. Just or a way whatever, to cope. Um, uh, you get used to the fact that it's it, life is a mystery. Like I don't have like this other, I don't have like a fa- a birth father who's genetically related to me to go to like as I was growing up. Like, hey, I wonder if I'm going to be tall or short. Yeah. For most people, they go, oh, if I'll you're look a guy, at my dad. look at my dad. He's tall, yeah. so I think I'll so probably be tall. So you met him. So tell me about the mannerisms. He was Did, like, are you the same? We were very different. Um, it did solve uh, uh, some mysteries. I, I do. There is a physical resemblance. I am. He's tall, and my mother's short. And um, uh, most of the folks in her family are sh- uh, 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 shorter than I am. And uh, he was tall. And um, his mannerisms were different. He's much more formal than I. And, but he's. A really nice guy, just mm-hmm. friendly and warm, and that was a relief. And do you think if they had met today that they would find each other? I um, think so, and I don't uh, want to speak too out of turn, but my mom's already <laughs> asking oh, me for like, oh, so... What's he up like, to? Like, are you guys texting? So, like, can you give me his number? I'm like, Mom, I, I'm going to have to ask him first. Are, are they married, either one of them? Oh, other oh no, my mom is single, and... um. And he's actually going through a divorce right oh, now. Oh, perfect timing. Yes. Who, would that be the craziest story? That's like that your, that'll that be your second book. I, I've already, yes, I, people have already approached me you... to say, like, can we have cameras there when they meet uh, uh, for the first time again after 50 uh, plus years? Wait, you have to. I need yeah. to keep, like, on yeah. the front line on this okay. story. It's down to planes, trains, and automobiles at this point. It's down to logistics and, and uh yeah. Text messages. Yeah. And so I know, like, fast forward through the childhood part, I know that she also got married, and then yes. you have a, a dad that you consider your dad who that's raised right. you. That's right. So first of all, he legally adopted me, so that's why I'm an Asian guy with an Italian-American last name. Uh, he's And he's a great guy. Yeah, Don Spasato is a great guy. Uh, I uh, really respected that he, he spent uh, the time raising me as if I was his own. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really respect that. I, I And when I see that out in the world, when I see, you know, these sort of compound families or nuclear families, I think uh, the, the word is. Blended families. Blended families. That's yeah. right. I, I, I think that's really cool. Um, I think you're a person who stands for things, you know, versus yeah. just kind of lives life. Yeah. And so is that you're doing on your own or are there things that you can look back on and say, I got this from my mom or my dad or my grandparents, all the people who influenced you along the way? Um, it's a great question. I... I'm not sure exactly where it comes from because the fact is that lately I've been thinking a lot about how um, sometimes philanthropy amongst, say, folks of our generation Mm -hmm. or younger, um, oftentimes that's instilled at an early age and Mm -hmm. you see the the, the prior generation doing it. And that that certainly has a huge influence. There are a lot of really wonderful people in town who are great philanthropists 
precisely because they've they, they've grown up around it's it. It's a value um, in the home. Yeah, it's a value sure. in the home and or in and the religion. Exactly. I yeah. mean, I mean, I actually remember you know working at Microsoft back in the day, early days when when Bill G. Bill Gates was still CEO, that. Uh, pe- the people in the in the know in the community really were talking about like someday he's going to be the next rocker. This is way years before the Gates Foundation, mm-hmm. where they talked about how he's going to outdo uh, everyone. He's going to outdo Rockefeller yeah. and all, uh, before every, the Bill and Melinda Gates Bill, Foundation. Before the Bill and Melinda, before he had even met Melinda, and they were saying that precisely because they knew that he came from a family who was already activated on philanthropy. Mm-hmm. So that being said. Within that framework, I would say in some formal capacity, no, I I did not uh, get that from my parents. But but I will absolutely credit them with paying attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, They paid attention to others around them and they did volunteer work. They they tended to do jobs that were nurturing. Mm -hmm. My mother was a nurse. Yeah, uh, nurse anesthetist to be exact. She always wants me to clarify. Well, yeah. I'm not just a nurse. Well, I'm a nurse anesthetist. It, it is different. That's two somebody, more years of school. It, it, yeah. it is different. Right. So that's my mom. Yeah. And and then my dad uh, was a hospital administrator, and his focus was um, in the mental health area. So so I think that's 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 probably where some of that comes from. Right. Was education a value? Absolutely. Uh, you you can't escape it. Chinese mom, Italian or dad. Jewish. Uh, yeah, thing. or Jewish. Same exact thing. Yeah. I mean, it is a big deal. Uh, I could not come was, home. Was she a tiger mom in that way? Like, no. In the, in no, the... weirdly, she was not. Not in a traditional sort of uh, Chinese-American sense, Like, but it was not allowed to come home with anything that was less than an A-. minus. A B-plus was... It was very binary. Well, because it was not probably an A. knew you were capable. So it's like if you're not getting an A, it's because you're not applying yourself because you're a smart guy. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, know. that's what I say to my kids. Maybe. I'm like, if you're getting a B, it's because you didn't try hard enough. Yeah. It's not about yeah. you know, anything else. Yeah. I think that now that I'm a parent of a nine-year-old, I think to some extent, uh, I'll say it this way. What, I think there's a lot of ego involved. Well, yeah, because it's your your little mini me. It's your little mini me, and you're like, "What do you mean you're gonna not do basketball? Yeah. Or what do you mean you're you not really great at math them. or whatever it is?" Yeah, no, uh, I totally you, you, get that. Yeah, I totally get that. Well, that's what's going to kind of link to my next question as it relates to kind of parenting, mm-hmm. because if you didn't feel like you had the modeling early on, how do you know how to be a dad? <laughs> I think that's a great question. I, I, first of all, there, there's an assumption there that I'm a decent parent, which I'm not. And I'm already getting that. Every now and then, yeah. apparently, I am. I suck. Or He seems or, pretty creative. I mean, I have not... He's very, yeah. He, he seems creative, and he seems um, interested in tech and science and... And he's hilarious, which is what I really enjoy out of the whole parenting experience, to be right. honest. It's the funny things when he knows he's trying to be funny and he's kind of almost designing a punchline. Yeah. And he lands it. And it's like, that he nailed is it. hilarious. Yeah. And so, so that's what I enjoy. But, but I think uh, uh, what it is is that you always uh, want to you strive for the things that you didn't have. And I think precisely because I didn't really grow up, you know, from the age of time that I was born to the time that I was nine, uh, which is how old he is now, I didn't have a father that, 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 uh, you, I, I really try to lean in and spend as much time with him as possible, uh, 
which by the way it's helpful if you're a later uh, like a like a an older parent i guess yeah. older parent in quotes yeah um uh because you do you can just sort of have a little bit more malleability on the work yeah. and the career and you so you do I, look really young though i mean the fact you, that you're Shana. saying 51 is 51 like, it's almost it's like weird to me it's your weird su- to me your too your success sister. matches 51 but your looks match more like 35 I, thank you i'm incredibly flattered you would say that it's true it's sunscreen true. <laughs> Sleep. Yeah. So um, you grew up in Edmonds. Yeah. You, I know, said that you were like the only Asian kid. That cannot Mm -hmm. be the case anymore. Did you go to your 25-year and 30-year reunion? I was having such a blast by the time I was in junior high and high school. It shouldn't really be allowed. So I have no sour grapes. I wasn't, I was, in high school, I was not the guy that got made fun of or whatever. Um, And I did everything possible to sort of build bridges across the cliques. I was kind of that guy. Yeah, and friends I was stu- with everyone. Yeah, friend. I was student That doesn't bo- surprise me. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, um, uh, student body president. Student body president, varsity lettered in, in I think, every sport that you could, you know, football and you know, every, every- You had the quintessential, tr- like, state American track. high school yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. So no sour grapes about that. Um, the the So having said that, I also understood the journey that I- uh, went on, which was that in elementary school, it was tough, man. I think that I had not grown uh, sort of tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was always smaller than everyone. And being the only Asian kid back in the 70s was, man, it was tough, man. Yeah. I got beat up. Uh, I How did I, you, what was the transition between elementary school and middle school? Was it just timing or did you make a decision? It was a, it was a, it was a ginormous pivot and rebranding exercise, Shauna. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, You're like, I'm was, coming back it, after it was, summer with you know, muscle. You figure out pretty quickly how it all works with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you figure out pretty quickly, well, you know They're all insecure too. They're all insecure too. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, so I got it. Okay. If I'm good at sports, if I'm lucky and I hit a couple of growth spurts um, and if I'm a little bit funny or if I'm friendly and so I get popular, whatever, whatever the, yeah. all the multiple factors Did are. Did you play any instruments? Guitar. I played the guitar. Did you that play the guitar? Because my husband plays the guitar and I'm like, Max, to my son, I'm like, yeah. you better learn that. Or it, drums. It helps. Something pretty hot yeah, about that. Exactly. Exactly. Do you still and, play? No, you guys could have no. a jam session. No, but but you know what? I'm I'm the biggest geek. Uh, like on Instagram, I follow John Mayer, and anytime he's kind of jamming and all that stuff, I yeah. I, I always fantasize about. So okay, so then you went to Whitman for college. How yes. did you choose Whitman? Um, I know it's a great school, and you're on the board. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, it it was a great. Well, where else did you look? Did you look I look, yeah, over? no, I looked all over. I'm, I'm blunt. I, I can be very frank about this. Um, Bl- be blunt. Yeah, yeah. There's this whole thing right now where a lot of um, Asian Americans are suing the mm-hmm. Ivy Leagues because of. Um, I saw that. The, yeah, the reverse yeah. discrimination. Reverse like discrimination, yeah. which, by the way, we can bookmark that conversation, but I'm not on board with that because I think that they're strange bedfellows right now with the people that want to dismantle affirmative action. And I'm not, I'm not down with that. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing that I have to say. As it turns out, if you don't get into Harvard or MIT, life is okay. Yeah. Your life is not going to suck. It turned out great. Yeah. And so I'll be really – I, I, I applied to Harvard. Mm-hmm. I applied to MIT. I applied to Stanford. I applied to Berkeley. I applied to Whitman. I applied to UW. How do you and remember I some all other this? Schools. Oh, I remember I, – like it was I, – I don't forget these things. Here's what happened. I got the – what I've learned as a, as, as a college trustee is there's a there's – a, 
there's a the blunt reject, the short letter. Then there's the longer form yeah. soft reject. Like you know what you you yeah, were close. It's not you. It's me. Yeah, it's not you. It's me. If you want to take a gap year, if you want to come back and reapply, you know right. you should do that. Yeah. Um. So I got that from Harvard. Got a very blunt, uh, just a short one from MIT, I believe. Um. I was waitlisted at Stanford, and had I known that you can, like, a certain percentage can go through. But like I said, my life is not – I don't think it, it, it's different. I, right. And I was but there the, are those things where you look in the rearview mirror and you're yeah. like, how would my life be different? Yeah, right. I mean, how I would, would people perceive me I'd probably be in also, the Bay Area now. But also, how would people perceive you? If That's right. If you walk in, you're like, Jonathan Spazzato, Harvard, yeah. it's like, oh. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So, yeah, exactly. So, again, more Nick Carraway than Jay Gatsby. So, yeah. so then, 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 then Whitman, here's an interesting thing. If anybody out there who's an admissions officer or who's on a board of, a board of a college, uh, large or small, Whitman, it, not only did they admit me, but they rolled out the red carpet. They wanted and they, to. They, yeah, and, they, and there were all kinds of sweeteners. I think there were some financial sweeteners. And, and uh, some, some part of it is a supply and demand thing. I think that there, we're still seeing some trending away from small liberal arts schools. So the liberal arts schools like Whitman, the really good ones, have to work really hard to attract um, uh, great students. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and I was that 4.0. I mean, I think technically it was like a 3 point. Yeah, but you had that the the resume, the application. Yeah, and so who were you in college? I know in high school you said you were that guy that's like on every team and um, and was nice to everybody, president. And so in college, now you come and there's kids from all over. Yes, all over. Um, and I and I actually again I kind of felt like a stranger in a strange land because a lot of the kids were way smarter than I at Whitman. They were way more sort of certainly way more hip. And but they you're had just, a you're certain. You're just a self-deprecating. No, person. I mean it. I mean, I didn't get it. There were, it was like there were there were these guys that would show up in class, and they were so cool, and they and they looked like they hadn't showered in a week. Their hair oh, would be I messed up. Look. Yeah, and then they're like wearing look, flannel, and that like I didn't even know what I didn't even own a flannel shirt. This was like when the grunge thing was still you happening. And then like their jeans were crappy, and then like they'd all, always be surrounded by I all know. the it's all like the, the hot LA, girls. It's like an yeah. LA look. Yeah, that's right. So there were t- uh, just just uh, and, and the women and the, and the gals were like that. They, they were just so hip. So I, here I I drop in there. I'm like Mr. 80s man. I'm like Spandau Ballet style, you know, like Duran Duran. I was that. I had an earring in my left ear. It was very into new wave music. And so, again, stranger. And, and some of these kids were from really smart families. Parents were doctors, lawyers. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and or sometimes the, like, grandparents' name was on the building. Mm-hmm. And when you went there, what did you study in school? Uh, I studied um, uh, political science and fine art. Interesting. And did you have a sense of what you wanted to do? Because you're a serial entrepreneur. Kind of. So, so the, 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 I, I don't know if this is this is out there in the world anywhere. I think it is somewhere. But but I was like 12 or 13 when I started writing games on the Apple II. And, and you have to really remember that this was back in a time when the entire quote-unquote tech industry didn't really exist, certainly not in the way that it is now. But it, 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 you didn't, nobody took it seriously. Like it right. could be a career. Yeah, of course, you're just messing are, around. You're just messing around. And so, and then there were like these little game companies, like there was Synergistic Software in Renton, and there was Sirius Software in, uh, I think they were in Northern California, and then there, was, there were companies in Oregon, like Broderbund or something like that, that there was Electronic Arts. And anyway, I was working for Synergistic in Renton as a teenager, writing games, 
And number one, I was closeted about that. Like that certainly wasn't cool. That's like admitting. Well, you can't be like Mr. New Wave, cool, no. edgy, yeah. fashion and, guy yeah. and a tech. And, and be hanging out yeah. with guys that were playing D&D, Dungeons yeah. & Dragons, oh, right? Yeah. So, but But I was that. I was – I kind of – Took. I had friends from all over. I was, very, in retrospect, very proud of that. I yeah. think it was very fulfilling to have friends from different walks of life and in different interests, uh, different interests. And so, so, uh, so I would say that the while I was tracking to be pre-law, and Whitman had this, still does, I think, this wonderful three-three program with Columbia Law School. Columbia at the time was the top, the number one law school in the country, and I was tracking to that. Mm. And I had a really great academic advisor at Whitman who was my, who was the chair of the political science department, who said Graham Otten was his name, a really interesting guy, polarizing figure on campus. And he said to me during a one-on-one session, he goes, Jonathan, you don't, yeah, you could be a lawyer, but is that what you really want to do? <laughs> And and I think that – and so that really gave me pause. My dad sort of uh, uh, set me up with some lawyer friends of his uh, that I talked with. And they – at the time, they – it's a very fulfilling career for a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. But at the time – I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, even just on the podcast, who were going to go law. Right, going to go law. pivoted. Yeah, they pivoted. And they're really happy that they did. Exactly. But but all these lawyer friends of my dad's that I talked with, they either wanted to retire or they wanted to buy a bar – and so I'm like, hmm, something's going on here where it's not really what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, and and so so I think that is well, the first Well, and it's expensive. Like if you don't want to yeah. go that and, exactly. and, and so many years yeah. of studying. Right. And uh, my parents got divorced uh, right as I my, during my senior year. So I'm like, you know, I let me figure sh- stuff out before I go in, go commit myself to three more years of school yeah. and student debt and all that stuff. Yeah. So so uh, I think that was the first proof point right there, Shauna, that the um, uh, that I that I am chronically unemployable. <laughs> and so um, I started by asking you about kind of your interest in business because this whole next part of our conversation is going to be like, okay. Seriously, you have this company, that company. I mean, you mm-hmm. did so many companies in mm-hmm. a row. You had Microsoft in there. Mm-hmm. And it's unbelievable. I mean, that whole period of time in your 20s was, uh, I don't even know where to begin on that. Yeah. Because when I started, I, see. Yeah. I mean, Fat Bits, Picnic, pic- I mean, it's yeah. endless. And so how did you know what you were doing? Where did you learn? I think it's amazing uh, what you can do when you're completely naive and stupid, <laughs> when no one tells you that you're not supposed to do something. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I think if you don't, I think it's, it's like pers- ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. I think when you don't have guideposts. Now, I've since learned that there is, in fact, a limit, especially having become a, a, a well, parent. And also an investor. And an investor. <laughs> right. You're not you going to invest in the person that's like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so I do think that these days I've learned uh, some lessons the hard way that you, you cannot do it all. Uh, but I, I do, I think it's a combination like all great entrepreneurs do. And, and you're a great uh, business owner, Thank Ashana. You. you. You do have a certain amount of ambition to do more, to seize opportunities. You actually experience FOMO if you feel like the train is leaving and you're right. like, okay. So GeekWire is a great example. Like there was this feeling that, hey, and again, we eight years ago, uh, uh, we started it. Eight years ago, the tech industry here in Seattle was very different, but but there was this feeling like, 
hmm, I bet you the community needs to come together and be codified and be given a voice and coalesce, but in a way that's different. There's a different voice. There's an edgier, more interesting yeah. way that we can celebrate geekdom and the tech industry and have it also be more inclusive. That was always be part of the plan, diversity and inclusion, although we didn't have that formal term. It was, you know, getting, uh, having two amazing business partners like John Cook and Todd Bishop, um, you know, and away we went. So yeah, that's a great I, well, I love those. I love all of you guys and I feel um, connected to GeekWire. I love you guys. So, but break it down from the very beginning. So when you graduated from Whitman, mm-hmm. did you know what you wanted to do? Did you know where you were going? Um, I knew that I... I'll be blunt. I knew that I was motivated by getting a very, very high ROI on my efforts. Um, uh, when when my parents got divorced and I decided not to opt out of going to law school, I um, uh, decided uh, that that I would go into as a career, which was really again not something that people thought about at the time in the games industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did start the games uh, uh, company with three other business partners, or four of us, and we grew very quickly to about forty-one people in a couple of years' time. And we did games for Nintendo, uh, uh, the, both the eight-bit NES and the sixteen-bit um, um, uh, SNES, and the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. and PC and the Mac and all that stuff. And we had a ton of, pro- we got work really fast. And that was really actually my first startup. Yeah. And I learned about payroll and, and managing teams and all that Keeping stuff. Keeping people fed. So yeah. here's the question for you. So you've got these three other co-founders. Mm-hmm. How did you, was it a chicken and egg thing where you found the co-founders and then came up with the idea or you had the idea and then went and found the co-founders or t- I want to know Gosh, about those yeah, exact it's, it's hard early to remember. Days. I think there was always... <laughs> I think there was always a belief that there was an opportunity to create a games development company that at the time, I mean, we were so kind of naive and also somewhat arrogant that we, we thought that the way to do it right was to have really effective project management and to be really organized and be really upfront with with our um, customers like Nintendo and Sega about how much it would cost and we'd be upfront with them about what our profit margins were. And Because at the time, it was really a, a, a crazy wild frontier. So I think that there was always an idea to do something and then... Almost simultaneous, the, the idea, these conversations were happening with the people who would then become my business partners. Got it. And so, and so, uh, that time was was really. I kind of joked that it was my MBA. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're learning about how to run a business, and mm-hmm. and frankly, you're learning the soft stuff, which is like how to get along with business partners. Where how do other people follow you? And... Yeah. Yeah. So did you have clearly defined roles? We did have clearly defined roles. Um, We had, um, I was the creative director and managed uh, anybody that was not writing code. So uh, uh, designing UI, uh, animation. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we had it, it was kind of parsed into you know there was like people who were like background. It was almost like uh, in the in the animation movie days where people who only did background paintings and matte paintings versus the people that did the character design. It was similar. There was one person, uh, uh, Ivan, who did a lot of the business development and had the relationships with the companies. Uh, although I did some of that too. Uh, there was my business partner Doug who. 
managed uh, ev- anyone that wrote code. He was sort of the CTO or managed engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was Carol, who uh, um, headed up sort of uh, uh, the the anything that was written. Uh, writing, uh, the copy, um, um, uh, uh, specs, things like that. If I was hiring you today, yeah. and which role would I put you in? Because to me, from where I sit, you're kind of good at everything. You're definitely front-facing. You're definitely mm-hmm. somebody I would say should be in front of customers and um, should be the kind of um, voice of the company. But you've got a ton of skills. Where would you be as far as a in the C-suite? Yeah. What yeah. would your job be? I think functionally, well, other than being uh, president president of the uh, Shauna Swirlin fan oh, club, that's, that, that's a job really? that you could put you me in. You can have a donut after yeah, this. Okay. Awesome. You've been a good boy. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but functionally, I'm really a product guy. You're I'm, really I'm product product guy. Product, brand, and yes, business development. Um I'm probably less. I can do operations, but a lot of times I feel like that as a company scales, you get to you know 85, 100 people. Mm-hmm. I think you uh, you're you're smart to bring in a, um, right. a, a really savvy operator. What would you operator. hate doing? Like if I give you a task, you're just like, please, no, I'm I suck at this, and I don't like doing it. That's a great question. Um, I just think I'm not always the best person at it, which is. Um, um, uh, re sort of the analysis on the financials. Mm. Uh, and, you know, there are some people who are really good at, like, for when, when you're prepping for a board meeting, they can have some really insightful, thought provoking uh, insights about the financials for the quarter mm-hmm. and trending differences. Very subtle nuances, mm-hmm. trending differences between um, um, uh, retention rate and renewal rate, and yeah, and or I'm or, not or yeah, that. and and I find that stuff frankly very fascinating. Well, but it's I'm nice not when you quick can tell at it. it as a story. I yeah. like it if somebody can summarize where yeah. my business is and right. tell it in story form. Yeah, but not when I'm just looking yeah. at a PNL and yeah. trying to understand. I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah, I, I love hearing about. It. I yeah. love consuming that information well, and having someone tell me like, "Hey, we did an ABC test." And as it turns out, if we change pricing to look like this versus that, uh, you, you you may think you get higher in uh, conversion at the at mid funnel, but they but they don't renew a year later. Like yeah. I, I find that's, that's the fascinating, but I I'm agree. not. I can't look at a um, uh, an, an analytics dashboard or and, create and, a financial and, model and see it very quickly. Yeah. Where yeah. was Microsoft in all yeah. of this? So and Microsoft is, is after met... the games company. That's what I thought. Yeah. So is that where you met Heather? That was. That's right. Okay, because yeah. I think she told me that. Yes, that's right. Um, and how long were you there, and what was that culture like for I you? was there from 92, I think the end of 92 or mid to end of 92 uh, to 2004. So I was there for 12 years, and I saw it uh, go through quite an interesting arc. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in the beginning days, the culture was amazing. And here's how the thing. How many people that, were there when you joined? Well, it felt like in Redmond— just the people that were doing product 
it was the company was a, a larger because it had product support and marketing and manufacturing mm-hmm. and all that stuff in and uh, different offices but in redmond it felt like that it, it was like a thousand maybe 1200 people you knew everyone and certainly if you look at the number of people in product development like the people that actually wrote code that wrote specs were program managers uh engineers designers uh they it was a much smaller and number you all knew each other and what we all the, knew each how other. would you define the Mostly. culture i would define it as a meritocracy. Uh, I would define it as um, a great deal of fun. I would say that it was rigorous. It was intellectually challenging. It was the best company and a best job. I have to always bite my tongue when I hear someone from Facebook or or if you go back another 10 years, someone from Google or some, now someone from Amazon, I always have to bite my tongue when they talk about like, oh, this Microsoft. is the company. Yes, yeah, yeah this, this company is great. It's, it, we move fast. We innovate. We break things. It's like, yeah, the Matrix has rebooted like about four times right. now. And I'm sure back at Microsoft, there were probably people at IBM saying, oh, you kids think you're cute. Uh, but this has happened before. Right. But, but I think any high growth, successful tech company um, you're going to have that culture I think it's successful precisely because you had a culture of uh, moving fast being agile not bureaucratic uh, disruptive innovative um, rewarding mm-hmm. anyone regardless of title and level at the company for doing great work I love it and and the people who worked there in those days seem to have a whole nother level of energy around talking about it yeah that it you just notice that. really feels different. I'm slightly jealous because I left Seattle in 94 Mm -hmm. and a lot of friends went there. Some are still there that have just been there. And I don't know if I would have gone, but it seems like a really incredible experience. You would have been great there. You would have loved it and they would have loved you. And now here's the, again, I've heard today it's a little bit more political. Like you have to kind of learn your way around and it got political, I would say back in around 97 Mm -hmm. is when it started to feel like Oh, now I have to watch my back. We have to expend energy on that other stuff, and I'm going to be blunt that. about that. And I'm sorry if people feel otherwise. There are certainly people who are there who've been very successful, and I tell them, "Hey, you figured it out, man. Yeah, it might just, just, just not stay be your there person. now. Yeah, exactly. yeah, just don't, 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 don't retire and do yeah. a startup. Just, just round the horn, man. Yeah. You've, you, you figured it out. You survived. Yeah. Uh, you ha- there's some sort of what I, I can't remember what the term is in natural selection. You know, like, like if you, if you, you exhibit the traits that make you successful totally. here for 25 years. Yeah. And I am curious how you find talent because you do surround yourself with really incredible people. Is there a consistent like I like this type of trait? I like, yes, um, I like people who are sort of um, renaissance people, who are not afraid to color outside the lines and that they have other things going on in their lives besides just their functional area. And here's why that's really important. I actually think that for businesses to break out and have a competitive advantage, you need to create a certain kind of alchemy. You need to always ask the question, well, what happens if instead of looking at this as a typical consumer internet SaaS, a subscription business, what happens if I look at it as almost like a game, like an experience? Or what happens if I look at it, if I apply some things that I'm noticing in, in the arts? Uh, what happens if I apply what I know about playing the guitar mm-hmm. to how I design this UI, right? Interesting. And so I think 
And, and, and frankly, that's a very Whitman College liberal arts answer. This is the very value of liberal arts, which is what happens when you synth- synthesize and you're not just computer science only or you're not just law or you're not just any one thing. And so, so I, I tend to be really attracted to people and tend to hire folks who are very uh, uh, not just well-rounded but can go – can exhibit talent across different – disciplines. I think it's highly interesting. You're like that, Shauna. Some of our mutual friends are like that, where you find out like, wait, you're like a national level ballet dancer. Right. Or, and you do, and you're really awesome at this. Right. Passionate I, people. Yeah. People who are engaged. People. Yeah. people who are like woke. Right. You know, right. just kind of yeah. living. That's right. Yeah. Fully living. Yeah. So um, tell me about your other uh, startups and um, how you came up with the ideas and how you raised funds yeah. and what that experience was like because yeah. now you're an investor. Yeah, right, So you right. probably have a lot of empathy yeah. for the people going through this yes, and I presenting do. their ideas. Yeah. Some investors have no operating experience. No. Uh, and so the no. fact that you have that I'm sure makes you a better partner as an investor. I hope so. I, I think it does when I do invest, but it might make me a little more, <laughs> it might make me more precious and, and sort of uh, hardcore. That's why I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who's invested in like 40 different companies. It's more like 15, right? right? So um, I, to answer your question, I think, I think I, I tend to look for or favor ideas or startups where it's, it's not just um or I'll say it this way, where where the where the problem you're solving is really crystal clear and there's an elegance to both the problem scope that the size of the problem you're not trying to boil the ocean in other words and I like that term yeah and the solution fits just right um and it doesn't because I think sometimes we get a little too entrepreneurs get a little too precious and they, and and they should be very ambitious of course but but they sometimes we self-define as like well in order for me to tackle this problem maybe it's not that sexy it's not that glamorous so i'm going to make it into a big thing and so but what about your companies yeah like what what problem were you originally solving and yeah. was that the problem that you were solving when you sold them right uh yes um so fatbits was 100% about something not that glamorous but you we kind of put a lot more more sexy spin on it which was but the, the name is cool yeah the name is cool right uh it it's 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 there was this kind of uh, interesting gray area between the desktop and uh, traditional downloadable, executable apps um, yeah, like, like Office. Eh. Yeah, I'm right. And, and there was a gap between that stuff, the desktop and the cloud uh, and the internet. So, so I felt like that Fatbits was really filling that gap. That these were these quick, uh, very very easily created XML widgets that could live on your desktop, but also communicate to the web. And and we created this platform that where people could create these little XML widgets uh, in a really delightful way, and they would be cute and fun and make you smile. In fact, that was our tagline, did your desktop make you smile today? And um, so, or make you happy today, actually. So, so, um, uh, so, so that filled a niche. Um, Picnic was 100% about photo editing. Wow. It cost $700 at the time to buy a copy of Photoshop, and man, that thing is hard to use and sits on your shelf because you don't use it, Uh, and it takes 45 minutes to just do 
a crop and a, and some effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and then the other win was that we did it did picnic in a browser. This was the first time that you could have a really rich. Um, client-like application that's highly interactive with photo effects in a browser. So what a what a total change that instead of having to buy Photoshop to uh, to edit your photos, you just open up your browser, go www.picnic.com and edit your photos right away, instantly. Yeah. And so 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 those are examples of where you're just like it wasn't like I'm trying to and change who are you your entire life with we were competing with Adobe, which, mm-hmm. which, if I had a nickel for every time someone said, you cannot go into the space, you know, it's like, I'm going to create this word processor and then mm-hmm. compete with Word. Well, as it turns out in technology, when there is a paradigm shift in platform, you can get away with that. Yeah. Now, Adobe still, obviously, they're a successful company with all kinds of different things, different lines of revenue. Photoshop still exists in different instantiations, although the most successful ones now look a lot like they're very web-based, yeah. right? So, Yeah. And are you into photography? I am. Yeah. So do you feel that um, in order to get behind a company, either as the entrepreneur or the investor, that you have to be into what it is or just see an opportunity? No, 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 uh, not necessarily. I think you have, I, I would say it this way. I think you have to be a student of it, but you don't have to be great at it. Like, for example, I would invest in a, uh, an online fashion. In fact, I have. Yeah, but that's yeah, your. But, but, but even, but e- even if the founder uh, himself or herself was not fashionable per se, but if that person was really paying attention and trying to understand the, 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 the customer behavior, that counts. Yeah, yeah, that does count. And so we have so many things to talk about because you're fascinating. You might have to be on twice. I'm like, Jonathan, really? Okay, so Happy to come back. we have the business part, but I actually want to dive deeper into kind of what drove you as an investor two okay. years ago to only invest in female co-founded or founded companies. Yeah. And this is huge. Yeah, yeah. And your involvement in the Riveter. I mean, it's all just yeah. kind of... So a lot of I think a lot of people are now saying the same things I'm saying, uh, and which is great. There's there's a lot more uh, uh, female entrepreneurs who are saying, you know, are kind of repeating the same data points that I was saying a couple of years ago. Which, so the things that led me were that yeah, like less than three. It's two point seven percent of all venture capital funding uh, is is allocated to female founded startups. Right. Um, there are clear differences and we have to acknowledge it. Equality doesn't mean that men and women are the same. Uh, it means that, uh, they have the same opportunities. So, so the thing that we have to acknowledge is that Harvard thing where if you're the same identical pitch deck, the same business, same startup company, if a man is pitching it versus a woman, the man is 68% more likely to get funded than the woman. Right. And that has to do with the Carol Gilligan in a different voice stuff, all that research that goes back 25 years about how boys and girls, they, we bifurcate at an early age in terms of how we communicate. And somehow in society, we bias towards a more male communication as being more authoritative, as being more leader like, as being more trustworthy. Uh, so that's why there are no major national level female news anchors. Mm-hmm. Right. It's always you know, Tom Brokaw or, or, or Lester Holt or, you know, you get it. So, so it's that stuff that I was trying to, uh, highlight and to also solve for, Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to be some 
there there have been some mean things said about me since, and that's fine. I, my, I'm thick skin. <laughs> it's it's fine. Haters uh, gonna hate. Haters gonna hate. You know, and and in fact, it, it's not just from men, by the way. There 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 are women who also sort of question my motives. And I have why heard is he that. Saying I've that? actually yeah. heard a, a yeah. woman yeah. say I, I that want to better me, understand. And that. I defended you because oh, I was like. Not right. just because you're a woman, no, so suddenly yeah, exactly. I'm going to open get it. up my wallet. Yeah, exactly. It's not. I, I didn't say I was going to invest in every single female-founded right. company. I said I would, from now on, myself, of the ones that I invest in, right. they're all going to be female. Well, and you're also uh, saying this uh, yeah. is a problem, and also there's a direct correlation between success yeah. and having a woman yeah. either on the board or at the helm yeah. as far as yeah. there's a lot of stats yeah, around yeah. it. They're, they're just, just adding three women to your board of directors um, increases your profitability by 26%. Right. So just, those numbers yeah. alone, I mean, you're you're not doing this for from a social work perspective you're no. doing it because you're an investor it, 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 i would say it's both i, I think that that i am getting both a what i think long term will prove out a higher return on my investment because mm-hmm. i think um uh, first of all, I'm, I'm a bit of a contrarian investor anyway, and I think that's consistent with the way that I've talked about my life. You know, that's more Nick Carraway than Jay Gatsby. You yeah. do the thing that's kind of a little more unexpected or mm-hmm. outside. So, so I think that there's um, going to be some interesting results in a few years. Uh, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and you're if there are, that's fine the- too. Um, like in the arena, you're pl- yeah. you're in there as opposed to just on the sidelines talking about how we need to change this. Yeah, right. You're actually doing something. Yeah, and I love Thank that you. you also your book has um, key takeaways of what yeah. you can do, yeah. even just the changing of the hours. Like, because yeah. sometimes I'm trying to help my clients, and I'll reference your book because yeah. I'm like I don't have all the answers. I know as a woman, I love having other female executives. There's like a yeah. handful of yeah. us. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but. You're giving key takeaways of ways that companies can kind of help women lean in and help women... Um, right. Continue to engage in wanting to yeah, be in business. Yeah, exactly. And I appreciate that, Shauna, because because if I if I if I have one thing that I want to sort of get off my chest recently is is and I hate it when people speak in platitudes and everything's you know hunky dory. It's it's because it's not right. Um, if I had one thing to get off my chest, it is this sense that look, I'm doing what I'm doing because I believe in it. I have no, and if you're cynical about that. I'm sorry, you're Move cynical. Along. Move along. Yeah, nothing to see you. here. I'm not trying to be patronizing. I've had, I have, I've had some real, you know, uh, 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 and this is in a very minor. It's like you know, I'm thinking one percent or something, but, mm-hmm. but smart, educated, white women mm-hmm. tell me it's really patronizing to see a man talk about these issues. It just is patronizing. I, there are days uh, when, when it, you know, it's funny how your subconscious works. There are days when the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished, pops into my head. And by the way, I, I get it that it's optically, it looks like, oh, if you don't read my book and if you don't know anything about my backstory, it looks like, it just appears like, here's a man who's maybe privileged, and I've never defined myself that way as a non-white person. No, of course, but person. as an outsider. Yeah, as an outsider. But here's a man who's privileged, who's somehow mansplaining to women what they can do better. That is not what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm talking to the men. I'm talking to the 97% of all CEOs who are male. I'm talking to 93% of all board board members in corporate America who are male, to the 88% of all elected officials who are male. Uh, I'm talking to them about how they can make more room and do better. Okay. So here's what I want to ask you. What? It's a very Oprah question. What would okay. you tell the 22-year-old Jonathan? What advice would you give? Relax. What advice would you give? Relax. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. 
Yeah, I uh, like that. Yeah. And I also want to give you an opportunity to talk about your involvement with United Way campaign. Oh, thank because you. Because I'm really excited yeah. that you guys are doing that. Yeah. And that you Us and too. Heather have stepped up in our community once again. Super grateful. Thank you. Um, tell us how we can help besides donate. Like, how can we get yeah, involved? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So donating is one way. Uh, volunteering is clearly another. But I think the statement here is that um, I, I honestly can't find a more powerful and better platform for transforming our city than the United Way of King County. So, again, I'm going to be really blunt. If you don't trust a city to spend your money, if you don't trust the state to spend your money, uh, if you don't agree with uh, a tent encampment uh, on a sidewalk near your house or office, there are so many ways that we can say no. Here's what you can say yes to. You can say yes to the organization that gets it, and that, that you can say yes to the organization that where 94 cents of every dollar that you give goes directly to someone in need. You can say yes to an organization that's proven over the years to have these great programs that effectively work to divert people off the streets and into being sheltered, that connects people to um, uh, who are poverty-stricken, their young kids to education, who helps people get jobs and remain financially stable. I can go on and on about all of the good that the United Way of King County does. And they frankly just don't have uh, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, they don't get a, a, a lot of press and frequent mm-hmm. press well, about their will, good work. Well, now they will because now we've, yeah. got, we've got you helping. That's we right. appreciate that. So what is your goal? Yeah. Well, the goal this year is to raise um, uh, money to support, to continue to support Streets to Home program. There's the Parent-Child Home program, which is very effective. And there's also Jobs Connect, which is, they're all very, very effective programs that are making big, big dents in a lot of the problems in our city, in our backyard. And we we can catch up. Yeah, More people became homeless this year than last year, but the rate of growth has actually started to slow. And they're slowing precisely because these problems are working and we need to support these problems. So speaking of Heather, and we have to kind of wrap up, but I have a whole lot of questions around that because mm. she's incredible. Um, I'm just curious. I know you guys met yeah. at Microsoft and you have Holden. What do you hope for him? I hope that in 10 years when he is in college that issues like gender uh, or the fact that women felt less than uh, or that they worked in environments where they were not free of sexual harassment or gender discrimination, I would hope that for him in 10 years um, those issues are not – there are things of the past. I also hope that we leave the earth a – uh, a better place that 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 I I actually shed tears. I actually welled up when I read the recent report um, about um, how, in fact, we were um, wrong uh, about climate change and the rate of change, and that in fact things are going to um, in ten years going to be warmer by one and a half degrees, which is a big f thing deal. It's a big problem. Yeah, and and I worry a lot about that, and that we are not doing enough there. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need more Jonathans. Seriously, <laughs> Jonathan. Well, thank you. I'm not doing anything near what you're doing, and it, it's incredibly inspiring. And um, I'm grateful, and I'm so glad that I get to know you and that you got to spend time with me today. Yeah, me too. This and, is fun. Um, I'm probably going to make you come back because you bet. you're layered like an onion. <laughs> like like a, what, like like an Shrek. onion in a good way. <laughs> I like right. onions. Cool. This sweet is very onion. cool. As a Walla Walla sweet. Yes, that's right. Very good. It was a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.